You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the Midside, where we don't change our statements based on what country we're broadcasting in. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. That disclaimer is perhaps most of most important of all this episode because of uh, the growing online rhetoric and real-life rhetoric around the crisis in the Middle East. Of course, you could probably say that every episode, right? Whatever whatever we're talking about that episode is probably cancelable, so that disclaimer is always important. So let me retract that. Of course, I've already denounced it with the disclaimer, and just bring my co-host in. Joining me this trip from his corner office in a place of harmony, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yeah, it's a uh, rainy uh, week here. It's been sprinkling in the evenings, and uh, but uh, overall, what can I say? Michigan won again, uh, four in a row. Just uh, uh, oh no, wait, that's uh, MSU lost four in a row. I don't know what's going on in East Lansing, man. It's a uh, college football is going to be. I think it's going to get more and more stratified uh, now that there are so many more. Uh, Conferences in the playoffs. Uh, Justin, when are we going to move to like a, a soccer style uh, uh, where you have to earn the different divisions rather than just uh, have uh, teams be uh, be so disparate? How many 50 I mean, to zero games can we have before college football just uh, uh, loses popularity? Yeah, I mean, they sort of already have that, right? Where they have... Um... Division one, division two, II, division three, and who can offer scholarships and whatnot. And I think what you're referring to is it's getting even more extreme due to the name, image, and likeness deals. Yeah. The, yeah. the schools that are willing to pay that out or be a party to that and participate in the transfer window, you combine those two elements. I think that's where the disparity is coming from. The, the chasm is growing. And I think that's always been there, man, where if you're not following your team, like I'll follow Clemson, but... I would never watch Michigan week to week. Not that I don't think they're a good school, historically great. Obviously, the GOAT comes from there. But they always have the soft weeks on their schedules. Every team has that. Yeah. And unless you're a yeah. fan of that team or you're an, even an alumni of that school, you're not going to follow that. And that's why college football always has the matchups of the weeks because unlike pro football where you can turn on almost every game except for Thursday night football because that's been well documented how low the quality of play is in that you're not going to want to watch just random games. Like no. when you turn on a game and it's like Idaho versus Iowa, I, I don't know, I turn it off and I'm like, I ah, know good game's on right now. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But uh, there's been other things going on out in the world. Uh, there's tons of farce this week. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of farce. A lot of extreme farce, I think. A lot of sort of extreme... extreme. <laughs> re- revelatory farce. I don't really like that word because I don't think it's a new revelation for us, but it is revealing in the sense that I think a lot of masks have been torn down this week. Uh, let's let's uh, Scooby-Doo it in Life on the Midside. Take a good look around. 
As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including and perhaps most of all, affirmations. The first bit of farce here, William, I want to talk about is actually something that uh, touched close to home. And what I mean by that is I was talking to some old white guys, uh, and I'm not... That's pretty close to home. Right. Pretty close to home. I'm I'm a few years away from that. But I was talking to some old white guys, and I'm not going to say who and in what context, because I don't want to reveal who they were exactly. But essentially, it came up the idea of, like, trans ideology, women playing in men's... Or men playing in women's sports, like men who've transitioned to women playing in trans sports. And I flat out told them, I was like, well, their goal is to have everybody compete together, right? No, no gender, no gender boundaries. They just want everybody to play on the same. Yeah. Tearing down all boundaries. And honestly, including including healthy ones. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. And honestly, including healthy ones, they would probably sort of like the, the, the story Harrison Bergeron, they would want, and of course, when I say left, I mean, so I say I say them, I mean the social justice left, that specific group of people. Uh, they would probably like want with Harrison Bergeron the the men who don't want to transition into being women to lower their ability level somehow with either chemicals or you know wearing literal weights like in that story. That's why Harrison yeah. Bergeron is such a brilliant story that stands the, the test of time. Um, and, and they, they, they didn't agree with me. They, they denied my premise. They said, that's not what they want. And I think that that's sort of what the older generation doesn't get that we get William. Uh, now some people do, I think Dr. Drew might get it. I think Adam Carolla gets it, but I don't think everyone in the older generation gets it, especially maybe because I'm in the South and they're so disconnected from everyone. But that's the first bit of sauce, uh, farce here. Wisconsin Democrat says girls just need to work harder when competing against biological boys. This is, of <laughs> course, a um, representative named Dave Considine, right? And I want to go through three different quotes he said, and I, we're doing them out of order, but I think it's important to do them in this order. So the first is, he said, my grandmother, or my grandmother, my granddaughter who was playing college sports, I asked her about this when we had this two years ago, and she said, you know what? If a trans woman was competing against me in the sport, then that just means if that person is better than me, I need to work harder. So, William, besides the obvious biological differences here, do you think the granddaughter replied in that way because she was put in a tough position? And what I mean by that is, she knows her her grandfather is a politician and leans a certain way. And if she replied any other way, it wouldn't have gone well for her and possibly for him. No, I think this is uh, uh, Biden telling tales. I, I think every time someone says hey, this is like the uh, the my two year old was crying the day Trump was elected 
sort of story, right? This never happened, Justin. This never happened. Besides, so you're, you're what, saying besides, the, go what, to the subreddit that happened. Yeah, exactly. And then everyone clapped. Yeah, yeah. The, the the issue here is, Justin, what is this saying about women who compete in sports currently? Well, that they're not trying right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Do you see what I mean? No, because, no yeah, athlete yeah. of self-respect would say, well, that just means I need to try harder, right? Like, not, not in this context, right? Right, because... That would be not acknowledging the how hard they're working now. Field. Yeah, like they're right. not worthy. They're, there's no worthy competitors for this person now. Is that what the the implication is? Maybe I'm being too cynical for once, but I can't imagine someone like someone saying, "Oh, well, I, then I just need to try harder," like that. Well, right? Like I, I, here's I, this I, impossible. Impo- you know, I haven't been trying hard uh, before, so now finally I have a worthy competitor. I'll actually have to start trying now. Yeah, and I think what you're referring to is Considine kind of playing on people's best uh, best traits and best intentions. And this goes into the final quote we'll read in a little bit. But I think what he's trying to play on is the idea that an athlete or a moral person, when things get hard, will work harder. And yeah, I the think effect. what he see right, what he seems to be implying is oh, well, this is just another level of difficulty that they're going to have to face. So they, of course, have this mentality of working harder. And if I appeal to their mentality of hard work, especially he's a Wisconsin Democrat, if I appeal to this sort of blue-collar hard work ethic, then they will like me more and agree with it. Do you get what I'm saying? He's trying. I agree yeah. with what you're saying, but I think he's trying to portray it in a way that he's appealing to the best within the people. Where most people, when things get hard, this is where, you know, as you said with Reardon, this is where sanction of the victim comes in. Yeah. And say uh, a person's good work ethic is used against them. A person's mm-hmm. integrity and morality is used against them. Where Reardon had to keep working hard, even though he was working in a way that was anti-reality and thus harming himself. And mm-hmm. that would be the same thing here. And he's doing the same thing here. He's essentially implying his granddaughter is sanctioning her own victimhood here saying, mm-hmm. Oh, it's okay that I'm the victim. Well, and my memory is fuzzy cause it was, you know, 30 years ago, but just in my little high school, I remember we didn't have a girls wrestling team. So the girls could join the men's, uh, or boys wrestling team back then, but not the other way around. Right. Like I couldn't yes. join girls soccer. Yes. Like I couldn't say, well, yeah. I'm playing football in the fall. So that means I can't play soccer in the fall, so I'll just play girls' soccer in the spring. Right, and girls' wrestling is now getting sanctioned across the country because that was going on across the country. It happened in my school. You know, I had to weigh 119 pounds in high school. And until, like, high school, the girls were very competitive. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I think that goes into the the next quote, actually. Uh, You know, just to finish up what I was saying before we transition into the next quote. You know, I had to wrestle girls, so I know what you're talking about. But they sanctioned it because they recognize there are differences. And some of that still remains, like the girls can compete with the boys if they so desire, right? There are tournaments where girls will enter in the boys' division, uh, especially in the offseason. The girls will participate in the, the dual tournament because the girls don't have a dual tournament for their teams yet. So they'll participate in the boys' dual tournament, especially at the lower weights, because girls can be more successful at the at the lower weights but 
the fact that it's sanctioned, people are recognizing there are differences. And I think what you're referring to is, is puberty. And, you know, Constantine tried to address that on Facebook, where he continued, he wrote, excluding trans athletes from participating in sports is not what kids want. Kids want to play together. The issues we are talking about is an adult problem. Well, that's exactly it, William. He is not acknowledging reality, which is the ultimate maturity. When we talk about maturity all the time, we, we come up with all of these sort of really abstract ideas. And, you know, the idea of accepting reality is abstract, but it's not as abstract as something like, oh, well, having empathy for people at all times. Because what does empathy mean? How does that change based on context? How do you, how do you feel something versus what is sympathy? That's super abstract. Things like that, right? But dealing with reality. And what he's not recognizing is kids want to play together because they're all the same then. There's no sexualization. There's no hormone differences. There's no physical differences at that point beyond obviously the basic biological differences when you're born. But I mean, when you play a game of tag when you're a kid before puberty, the ability levels are pretty similar. And there's no like, oh, I touched her. That's weird. Or I touched him, that's weird. That only enters into the case when we start developing sexually, right, William? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's I think it's very like we're 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 trying to we're, we're continuously doing two things with this uh uh um whole uh manufactured debate around trans issues. And we've talked about it pretty often. It's it's the cluster B reversal, right? Which we'll get to uh, in some of these quotes here, uh, the third quote, but it's also the the breaking down of boundaries, which you mentioned earlier, right? And we're 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 tearing down all boundaries, even ones that are, uh, you know, pillars to help us achieve happiness. And uh, this is this is one of them: understanding the differences between people, and understanding the differences between men and women is pretty important. In order to live a happy life. Right. And that living a happy life, I think, goes perfectly into the final quote from from Considine. This is what he said. The best we got was, well, some parents are concerned that their daughter might miss out on a scholarship. They might miss out on playing for this team or that team. Boy, that sounds like selfishness. I'm sorry to label it that way. But what's that sounds like what it is to me. I'm only worried about myself. I'm not worried about building the team and having my school have a powerful team. So <laughs> this again, is going to turn Justin. This has to lead to the Grace Hopper style. That someone is just you are going to I, I, probably not in Florida, but if you'd ever take a team like to some sort of national tournament, you're going to fight a team, uh, a wrestle a team of all boys with your girls. I'm laying that gauntlet down now. This will happen in the next three years. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if we would actually wrestle that. That would have to be a discussion we would have to have. Uh, but you know what forward. I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like you you will no, I, you I, will be faced with this decision. Someone will put an all I mean, we've already seen it in gaming, right? I told you about the uh League of Legends teams uh, uh that uh are it was Valorant. I think it was Valorant teams. They were uh saying they are all women's team and like three of them were trans women. And it's like, what are we actually doing here? And one of them ended up well, getting uh, banned for cheating during the tournament. Uh, one of, so uh, you, you wonder, like, well, they lied about their identity and, and they're trans. Uh, oh, okay. What's going on here? 
Well, right. And what you're talking about is what J.K. Rowling got canceled for, right? And got called a turf for trans-exclusionary radical feminist because she was saying that M to F trans, male to female trans, erases women. Isn't that, wasn't that her argument? Yeah, that was her argument. Yeah. Well, isn't that what Considine is saying here? And Considine is saying that her saying that is selfish because as a woman, she is only concerned about herself and she's not concerned about the team or the school or essentially he's applying humanity as a whole. Because here's the thing. Do you really have a women's team if you have all trans women on the team or do you have a trans women team? And is that the same as having a women's team? They would say it's the same, but is it? Yeah, they would say it's the same. But we but I can tell you the team dynamic, the the that all all the things will be different. How will it be any different than uh a boys team at that point? Uh I don't know, and that would be an interesting thing to study. And, and yeah. but again, can you imagine ha- having that many cluster B people on a team? Oh my god. Right. And, I don't think you would and have that's what I was going to say. Is realistically, I don't know if like this is one of these things where I always say this is such an infinitesimally small part of the population. Would we ever actually see this beyond one or two random occurrences? Because I, here's I, the thing. I disagree. You have, you have, we've seen this with the Grace Hopper stuff. We're taking opportunities away from men and boys. Why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they consider uh, receiving a free ride to some, uh, you know, tier two division school on a wrestling um, wrestling uh, scholarship uh, for free. Why? Why wouldn't they do that? If all they have to do is just say they're a girl and go to the wrestling team and win, Justin, people are gonna people. People aren't dumb. The the incentives. All we have to do is look at the incentives, and the incentives are in place now for this. Right. And what you're talking about is the inversion. The inversion where. What he's using selfishness to mean is narcissism. Considine is saying narcissism, but you just described narcissism. You just described, oh, I don't care about the effects of this, and I don't care that I'm being anti-reality. I get a positive outcome, and I get to feel good, so I'm going to go forward with doing this. Where the real selfish thing is, living in line with reality and wanting to create a society that creates the best possible female athletes. And that's the premise that Considine is trying to avoid or trying to make us feel guilty for accepting, right? Would yeah. we have ever seen a Mia Hamm, a Michelle Akerstall, an Abby Wambach, if we had allowed men to transition into women and play for the U.S. women's national team? No, we would have never seen them, and they would have never had their moment of glory, and the women's soccer would have never grew to where it was, and if this does happen with women's wrestling, well, that's going to hold the sport back in a way that's tragic because of the way it's growing right now with college programs growing women's wrestling and offering more scholarships and high school wrestling growing for women, for girls. That's going to be taken away and that's going to create a lesser world for all of us because mm. beyond the sport being played at a higher level, how do all of the young girls who are athletes who get to engage in such an amazing sport miss out on that opportunity to grow as people. And if you have everybody on a large scale grow as people or not grow as people, what does that do for society? And now we see how selfishness actually leads to a better world overall via the butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. 
But what do I know, William? Dylan Mulvaney was just won a Woman of the Year award. <laughs> I said what this. I have to I, ask and you. What was my exact quote? Joke or woke or joke? That's exactly the question with, with this headline. Woke or joke? Well, it's both. And I think all the other women in the world should have just worked harder at being a woman because Dylan Mulvaney does put a lot of effort Obviously, into being a woman. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we, we uh, Biden had this to say. As commander in chief, I was proud to have ended the ban on transgender Americans. So once, because he removed the ban, now Dylan Mulvaney can uh, win Woman of the Year. This is my real question about this, though. (laughs) William, this gets reported, and everyone talks about it. Everyone gets in a kerfuffle about this, and we get into South Park, rabble, rabble, rabble. But this is just a random magazine. So why, why does anyone care about this? Isn't this just the media online playing for clicks and people buying into it? Who cares yes, if a random yes. magazine named this? No one cares about our awards at the end of the year. Hey, our our listeners care very much. They all vote. That that they they no. more than more of our listeners probably vote for the awards than vote in the presidential election. That's probably true. <laughs> Thanks to no part to me. But um, are you implying I just called our listeners no one? Uh, you're saying that they need to try harder at being a woman. Do you get what I'm saying, though? Isn't this <laughs> yes, a non-story? Yes, it's such a non-story. I mean, I only I only posted it because the headline is funny, and it looks like I I told you I didn't I didn't bother uh, searching, but I'm sure I could search The Onion or HardTimes.net and find exactly this headline. We are. Oh, it might have been the Hard Times because I searched The Onion after you said that and didn't find oh, it. Oh, and so didn't find it. it might have been, been Hard Times. I know I've seen this before. Uh, yeah. uh, if if not at least in meme form of woman of the year, like time woman of the year with her face. Um, but, uh, but we, we, we need to start, uh, measuring the length of time between the hard times.net or onion article and the actual article with the same headline actually occurring. I think we're, we're, we're shortening that down to the plank time. We're just getting shorter and shorter. Like the, uh, the, that it's sort of like, you know, we may never reach peak farce, but I think we can finally quantify the, the the velocity of farce, and I think that's really what what it is: is that time between when the when the meme or or uh, onion or hard times article comes out, and then the actual same headline comes out in the mainstream media. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what that would call if they were to overlap. It's not equilibrium. It's not concordance. There's another word that I can't think of what it is, but. Yeah, I agree with you. So hopefully somebody can come up with that. That seems like a lot of um, human data entry, though, and that doesn't. Ah, we've me, got so. AI, Justin. We'll just put put our. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get our uh, get our the midside AI on this. We're, yeah, we, we found a use for AI besides destroying the world. Track the velocity of farce. What's the velocity of an air laden swallow? What's that quote from Monty Python? I don't know. All right. So let's go to actual farce here that uh, has a consequence. And first of all, William, I think this story, right, this is a story of a a kid's T-shirt being taken away at an elementary school in Nashville. I think this is a story we wouldn't have heard about pre-social media, right? We're talking about in the 90s. I'm not sure this is something that would have caught on nationally or globally. However, I'm going to be a bit different here than usual 
I think this is an important conversation to have. And I think this is an important story to talk about nationally. Even though it's just one teacher taking away one seven-year-old's shirt, I think there's a lot in here about what's appropriate, what do things mean, people actually living by their actions, and you know the, the purpose of education and who we're putting in charge of education. I just think there's a lot here. So it's a small story, but I think it's an important one. So the question the headline raises is, why did a Nashville teacher take away a seven-year-old shirt with Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority letters on it? The principal at McGavick Elementary School in Nashville is apologizing after a staff member at the school confiscated a shirt that a second grader was wearing. The t-shirt worn by seven-year-old Peyton Tiger. Can you believe her last name is actually Tiger, by the way? Have you ever met anyone with the real name Tiger? No, but uh, what's that Netflix show? The Tiger... Tiger King? Yeah, the Tiger King. So maybe this is, the, this is uh, of that dynasty. Do you think her dad is named Tony? That would be hilarious. His middle name is Gur. So the shirt spelled out AKA 1908 in pink and green rhinestones across the front, a reference to Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Inc., a historically African-American sorority. So we're starting to get an idea here where this is going. According to an email the teacher sent to Chloe Smith, Peyton's mom, the teacher took away the shirt because the seven-year-old was not a member of the sorority. Clearly, there should be no sorority that a seven-year-old is a member of. But here's what's interesting, William. What she said. How dare you, ageist. <laughs> I just think there's a lot of drinking and sex involved in sororities that I don't want seven-year-olds involved in. I will take that hard line, and I am not going to uh, denounce, it denounce that. I'm not I'm not denouncing that one retroactively or proactively. That is one I am standing on. Cancel me. Seven year olds should not be involved in drinking and sex. I noticed Peyton wearing an AKA shirt. And by the way, when I hear AKA shirt, like I think of like a gun. Right? Like also known as. That, right. Or also known as. Yeah. yeah. So there's a number of things, but no, this is obviously a race issue. But it's never said directly. Oh, yeah. I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, which is a service organization for college-trained and educated women, the teacher wrote. AKA-branded items are trademarked and reserved for members only. Thus, I had to give her a new shirt and take the AKA shirt. The new shirt she received is clean, and there is no need to give it back. William, if these shirts are trademarked and reserved for members only... Shouldn't they be tracking down the member who gave this shirt away so that it ended up on a little white girl? Isn't that the problem? <laughs> that if these shirts are that important, someone didn't respect it in the sorority? And didn't they let someone into the sorority that shouldn't be in it? This Isn't reminds me of uh, those people getting mad because everyone was downloading uh, their NFT JPEGs from the internet because, you know, they're on the internet. Uh, you don't get to just... Uh, trademark the letters AKA nineteen oh eight and take it off of someone's body because they have it on there, right? Like it, I can't walk up to someone wearing a the midside shirt and say that shirt is mine because it has the midside logo on it. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Well, no, and I mean that's the the scary part that we this isn't like uh, this isn't like stolen is valor. School. Like, isn't that yeah. aren't, isn't she kind of approaching this like it's stolen valor, right? Like someone wearing a medal of honor or something and having never worn it, right. or never uh, earned it. 
Right. Well, I mean, that's the sorority angle, right? So you just opened up two angles. One, you opened up the angle of how dangerous is it that somebody working at a public school, a government organization, is using her position as an agent of the government to take things off of a child's body? Like, imagine a man did this. Doesn't this border on... Yeah. child abuse and, and, child and Justin, this abuse? is very different I, I i remember kids coming into school with questionably appropriate shirts and the answer was always oh just turn it inside out like it was yeah. never like i'm or, confiscating the shirt <laughs> yeah or you know put on a different shirt if you're against dress code or you're showing too much skin or something like that look i don't even take kids cell phones and, and headphones man like, it's their property. I'll tell them to put it away, and I'll warn them. I'll go, you know, if you do that, somebody's going to take that away, right? I'm not going to take it away. Do you understand why I don't take people's property? Because it's theirs? Yeah. I think at one point I've taken it and put it on my desk, but I didn't, like, keep it. And, like, I like either gave it back at the end of class or in a few minutes. I was just trying to make a point. You know what I mean? And it was somebody I had a prior relationship with as well, where they know I'm not like keeping it, keeping it. You get what I'm saying? But to like take a random kid's property is crazy. And to take the property off of their body is even crazier. And it's even crazier that it's a seven year old. That is such a dangerous angle. That's such a dangerous line to walk. And then also the other angle you walked is the inherent collectivism of sororities and Greek life that I've always disagreed with. And, you know, maybe at the the risk of alienated some listeners here, I get it. You can belong to groups and teams and it's not a collectivized thing, but people wear these shirts like, Oh, I'm a member of this. Therefore it makes me special. And it's not like you get into it by accomplishing anything, right? It's not like, Oh, here's my varsity jacket by earning my way onto the varsity football team. It's, oh, I had to uh, do hell week and rush week in order to be accepted into this social circle. And now I'm super important. And then you add that collectivism to this issue of race and you add it to the issue of gender and you understand why this teacher did this and how dangerous this is. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to walk around and uh, scold every... Uh... OSU fan, I, I see wearing an OSU shirt that didn't go to OSU. Make them put on a Michigan shirt instead. I actually did that by accident once. So <laughs> I was at the gym. I always wear like Clemson stuff on Friday, and I was at the gym, and some other guy had Clemson stuff on. And I went up to him and I was like, Oh, did you go there? And he was like, No. And then like he didn't have a further conversation with me about it. Oh, geez. <laughs> and guess what? He's never worn the Clemson stuff ever oh, again. No. Oh no. <laughs> I wasn't telling him not to wear it, but like, dude, usually like nobody wears Clemson stuff unless they went there. You I know, know what you I mean? discouraged like the a... one fan, the one adopted fan. <laughs> I wasn't trying to, though. It was just I was trying to be like, oh, did you go there? You know what I mean? Isn't that a normal question? Yeah, you should start with you're a fa- are you a fan, I guess. And then you say, oh, I went there because then it becomes a bonding thing. Right, lead with I went there or not did you go there because yeah, that yeah. sounds accusatory. That, that was my that was my Bostonian coming out of me. Exactly. Okay? That was my exactly. coming out of me. <laughs> this collectivism though, right? You see the collectivism I'm talking about, yes? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so what's the moral of the story? Did uh, do we get to wear did, do we get to wear AKA shirts or do we have to take them off? Uh, I think you can intentionally wear an AKA shirt 
so you can take it off without getting in trouble. <laughs> so this is a, a way you can get around taking your shirt off at school without getting in trouble. Okay, if I just write AKA on it, then I have to take it off. Got it. Right, especially 1908. Oh, wait, can I write AKA on other people's shirts so that they have to take them off? I think we've, I think we've got... Uh... There's some uh, there's some hotties at the beach that uh, could go around shirtless. I'm talking about men. Just carry around a sharpie wants. and write AKA yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, like you said, there's like somebody has a shirt that's like Matt Murdock, AKA Daredevil. Do they have to take their shirt off? <laughs> Only if it has 1908 or whatever that year was. All right. So pretty scary stuff there. Pretty scary stuff. The the thing is, uh, just respect people's personal property and personal space, please. Uh, even if they're dumb, I look, I don't like it. I don't like that people will will uh, a lot of William when I was in school, a lot of sororities, especially would take the logos from other companies and turn their sorority logo into the logos. Okay. And I never liked that. I thought it was cheap. I thought it was stupid, but I'm not going to take the shirt off of them. Right. We talked about last week. I talked about hating. <laughs> that belongs to Coca-Cola. <laughs> right. Take that shirt off. You must be a multi-billion dollar corporation in order to wear that. Right. And essentially, I think, you know, you're trying to, you know, um, draft off of their coat, ride their coattails for your own organization. So I think it's stupid. And likewise, I think slides and socks are stupid and sandals and socks are stupid. But do you see me like making people take them off or like tackling anyone and grabbing their sandals and socks and pulling them off. Justin was no, their fashion body. police. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But talking about people taking extreme measures to be the thought police, I think this is a potentially controversial issue because of the sides around this, William. Yeah. So Harvard university or student group doxed, after signing letter blaming Israel for Hamas attacks. A truck drove around Harvard University's campus on Wednesday, displaying the names and faces of several students allegedly affiliated with student groups that co-signed a letter blaming Israel for Hamas's attack. The stunt claimed by conservative media group Accuracy of Media comes after several CEOs have called on Harvard to release the names of students affiliated with groups tied to the controversial letter that solely blamed Israel for the attack. The billboard called the students Harvard-leading anti-Semites. And then a statement by a Harvard president, Claudine Gay. By the way, William. Gay. Is that the real name? Harvard really went out and got a, a female president with the last name Gay? I, I guess. All right. This is the statement. Let me also state, on this matter as on others, that while our students have the right to speak for themselves, no student group, not even 30 stu student groups, speaks for Harvard University or its leadership. By the way, do they ever make that statement? Never. For, never, uh, yeah. never, never, never. Yeah. Right. Never for any of the social justice stuff, right? All right. Here's, here's, my, uh, here's my, my two questions here. Then we're going to read, after my two questions, and we talk about those, we're going to read a letter by uh, the executive vice president. Okay, we're going to read a statement by the executive vice president. But here's my two questions. First of all, why does anyone need to sign a letter to express their opinion? Is Israel now going to stop defending themselves because 30 students at Harvard signed a letter decrying them? I think it's, I think this is the, the, the I, I'm torn on this because I'm laughing 
because isn't this collectivism being turned against them, right? And then on the other side, though, we've seen this kind of bullying before. You know, we see all the time with the global warming thing, right? Like uh, the 100 scientists, 100 Nobel laureates all signed this letter saying global warming is going to kill us all in 10 years. And that was, what, 20 yes. years ago? And and then you have people with with integrity saying, hey, I can't be a part of this group anymore, right? Like this is this – is, uh, you know, you you're you're saying things in my name that uh, that are not true, right? That are that are not uh, how I feel. Justin, don't I always say I can never join any uh, LGBTQIA LMNOP plus group because of the uh, their political stances, right? Like they're it's implied if I if I associate with any of these groups it's implied that i agree with all of these things that i don't agree with yes and and so i yes. just can't be a part of it right like it and and so in that way this is just bringing those consequences right this isn't doxing yeah. by saying like hey you're a member of this group and this is what they say how is that doxing justin well i think you're you're wading into the second question a little bit that I had here, oh, okay. which is the, the concept of a doxing truck. And is there ever a time when such a tactic is warranted? Because I, I think you're right. It is sort of just the consequences and, and to transition here. I think what you're talking about is making the personal public. And what I mean by that is if you're in a group and you disagree with them, don't you make a statement to the people in the group and you yeah. say, I'm leaving for this reason. Yeah. Now, whether you had to make it a formal letter or not is a different discussion. But why is it now whenever anyone does that, that's considered public information? It's the same thing. Like when you resign from a company, are you required to write a letter? No, no. And if you're not required and you do, why does that letter then become public property? And then this goes into what we're saying about the doxing, William, where... The doxing is, oh, here's an opinion you said possibly behind closed doors or should have been behind closed doors. And now we're going to say everyone should cancel you because of it. And that's why I asked the question, is there ever a time when such a tactic is warranted? Because let's go with Nazis. OK, we are against punch a Nazi, but are we against identify a Nazi on a billboard? I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, I like I said, I'm I'm. I think I appreciate this tactic. All I've got to say is you better be right about the people you're showing. If they are members well, of this group too, right? That they're signing that, they're, that they actually are a member of this group. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong to say, Hey, this group has blamed Israel for the attacks on their own citizens and not in the, like they had bad intelligence sort of way in the, in the, uh, they're the moral, uh, they're the moral bad guy in this situation. Um, they've caused it, right? And these are the people associated with that group. I think if you just stop there, Justin, that was not doxing. Well, right. And how about if you don't even say the people associated with the group? Or you just say, here's the leadership of the group or something like that. Because to me, there's a difference between, uh, like I said, the public and the private. And there's a difference between I'm in this group and I'm a leader of this group. Do yeah, you get what I'm saying? I do. I do. I think, though, that when it comes to something this <clears throat> morally charged, um, it does matter if you stay in the group, right? You better be publicly saying, I'm opposing this 
Do you see what I mean? Like, if you're a member of that group that's saying, uh, yeah, I support, you know, uh, wiping Israel off the map, then then you better be someone in that group um, publicly advocating for changing that statement. Does that make sense, Justin? Oh, yeah, I get completely what you're saying, where that should become a watershed moment for you in your membership in that group yeah. and in your life and who the people you're associating yeah. with in your life when something is this starkly. And again, we're indirectly giving our opinion here. I guess I can just directly give it it's so starkly obvious. Right. But again, my my opinion doesn't matter. Right. I'm just a dude with a podcast here. And that's the other thing, too. Like you're at Harvard University in America. Like, why are you in a group that like talks about these things now i understand there are people who could be from there it's an international university it's one of the best considered i don't want to say it is i want to say it's considered one of the best countries one of the best colleges in the world so people could have gone there from all yep, over harvard so is considered the michigan of the there. east <laughs> yes exactly no tom brady went to harvard though i'll That's just point true. that out for a second that's very true. Uh, yeah, so I understand that. But again, you're currently living in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Like, how are you affecting anything? Right? So, yes, it should be a watershed moment about all of these things. But at the same time, William, if we are going to say the U.S. shouldn't be the moral police of the world via foreign policy, should the media be the moral police? Right? Should this conservative group... Uh, accuracy in media should they be the moral police of the country not not in the way that not in the way i think there's i think there's something i i don't know what it is i think there's some line that is different rather than calling them an anti-semite right that like just saying like hey these are the these are the facts, right? This group has made this statement, and these are the signatories. Like you said, these are the leadership, and these are the members, right? I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. These are the people who have, yeah. and it's not that they secretly went undercover and discovered who the members were, Justin. Th these yes. people proudly showed that they were members of these groups on their uh, internal directory and Facebook and stuff like that, right? So, yes. like, this is this yes, is not. So this would be like if you, I don't know you found out it was secretly uh, a member of the workers party of America or something. Right. Uh, right. Versus like, I probably put it, you know, the hammer and sickle on my Twitter bio. Right. And you register with the government. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. When you register to vote, that's what your party you registered as. Right. And I think what you're pointing out here is the group is making a public statement. It's yeah, this isn't group. I think Justin, this isn't like, oh, you're friends with so and so who's an anti Semite, therefore you're an anti Semite. I think that is right. also this part is of not the difference. McCarthyism. Yeah, right. That I would be against, right? But right. this I'm like I said, I'm struggling with this one because there are parts of it that are like anything the conservatives do, it's unprincipled. So there's parts of it that are just inflammatory and and immoral, but there are other parts that make sense, right? I I think you should publish it. You know, publish it. They I let me rephrase. It's already published, right? They're just highlighting the fact that these people are members of that group. And I'm kind of glad that people, uh, employers are standing up and saying like, hey, we won't hire you if you're, if you're, if you believe this statement, right? I think that's fine because I, I wouldn't want to hire people that are like this, right? Um, 
especially if they're again especially if they're leading this if they're leading the charge of this that's definitely something i wouldn't would not see as a quality of a good uh employee that's where things get difficult though because of the relativism we're living our society in because to go back to the trans issues people who are for that would say someone like jk rowling should never be employed and never make a dollar and they use the same rationale yeah so you see the difficulty there because you're working from an objective principle and they're working from a relative principle. It makes things very difficult. Yeah. The thing that uh, I really sort of get my uh, you know hair standing on edge about this is the fact that it's a truck. Um, it should be an electric I understand. vehicle. Well, no, I understand, like you said, publishing it, putting it online, putting it in a newsletter, all that kind of stuff. But smacks to me of public relations a stunt when it's a truck because it's not only hey who are these people it's hey pay attention to me whereas if you publish it the people who really care will seek out the information whereas this you're trying to shove it in people's faces in a way that a lot of people who don't care it's a a bit of an intimidation factor you know bringing it bringing it in but I don't know. That's another one that's kind of like borderline, right? It's like... Right. So well, that's why I said this is difficult. Yeah. Well, and this goes back to... When you say intimidation, this goes to the statement by Harvard Harvard executive... Harvard, you can tell from Boston. Executive Vice President Meredith Alwinick made, where she said, I write tonight to assure you that the university takes seriously the safety and well-being of every member of our community. We do not condone or ignore intimidation. We do not condone or ignore threats Bullshit. or acts of harassment or Bullshit. violence. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. That's what I was going to say to you. Isn't Bullshit. this just because it was a conservative group doing yeah. this? Bullshit. There is... what? When's the last time Andy No got kicked out of Harvard? Or, uh, you know, any... any uh, when's the last time Ben Shapiro spoke safely at Harvard? Without intimidation. This is bullshit. Right, and that's the difficulty here. Is it's it's weird. This is very weird for me. This whole issue is weird for me. Because it does seem to... The support of Israel does seem to cl- cross political lines. But if there's anyone supporting Hamas in Palestine, it's on the left. Am I yeah. wrong? Yeah, I haven't seen... I've seen a few of the more reactionary conservative folks that are uh, that I follow. Um, I do the hard work, folks, so that you guys don't have to. They've been very critical of Zionism in the past, and they're critical of, you know, very critical of, uh, you know, they, they fall into that trap that the leftists fall into uh, uh, often of like, well... We should just live in a world without Contrarianism. war. Well, well, that in the we should just live in a world without war, right? Like that that there's that that um, people should just shouldn't fight and all death is bad, which is true. But it, it, it's like very it's a very simplistic view, right? Um, that they 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 sacrifice justice um, on the altar of uh, of peace, right? They fall into that same trap. But I haven't seen this kind of bloodthirst, right? There's a lot of sort of weird denial about what happened right but there's not this bloodthirst that i see on the far left on in their support for hamas yeah yeah well and and that's what makes it so complicated is 
the history behind it and the fact that there is bloodshed on both sides and there are innocent people dying all over. No, I'm not equivocating. No, I'm not taking the side of Hamas. Stop it. Uh, whoever's listening, I thought I just said that. My point is simply, uh, this has never been an easy issue. And it's never an easy issue when you say, we're putting these people here. And no, there wasn't this country before. And we're just inventing a country. Right? Look at the history of Europe. Whenever people try to set borders and invent countries, yeah. what happens, yeah. William? Bloodshed and war. Yeah. Right? It's <laughs> it's a tale as old as time and with humanity. And, and there's and a we may huge, have the side that I, we believe the, is right. I'll get canceled for this. There's a huge cultural difference between the tribalism in uh in Palestine and the and the Arab world surrounding Israel and Israel. They are they are cultures from different centuries. Like it's yeah. just it's it's just stark, right? And well you're right. And now we're gonna start talking about the the Crusades and all of yeah, these things. Yeah. So this is why I didn't want to go down this rabbit hole. Right. Like I could talk on this for a long, long time. But the point is, this is difficult how we are handling this in this country. Whereas I wish we would focus this more on what what can we learn from this conflict that we can improve our own lives and improve the ideas in our country instead of sort of going down that path where yeah. we seem to be creating two separate groups in that mold. Do we not? Yeah. Well, and I think there's another thing that you mentioned earlier in the show. The, the masks are coming off, right? Things that we have said yes. about BLM. I mean, look at their support for Hamas, just outright like yeah. celebrating the the death of like out of the same breath they will celebrate the death of uh Israelis and then they will uh condemn um Israel's retaliation and the deaths that it caused right. right and which is another reason William I don't want to go around saying stuff because like I may have my opinions but at the same time I'm not going to sit here and be like good when when innocent people are dying yeah. like yeah. do you see me when there's a war like I'm <laughs> cheering not a, it on a yeah. right <laughs> hooray but, blood but I don't cheer on war <laughs> I'm like yeah kill like you know me like I'm Eastern European you think I want the Russians to invade Ukraine but am I sitting here cheering every time Russians die like do you see me making statements of that no no because it all sucks like yep yeah Masks coming off. Masks are coming off. All right. Speaking of masks coming off, what happens in horror movies when there are serial killers? You need to find out who the killers are. Let's talk about that in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Just go to the midside.com slash podcast or the midside.com. Click on any episode link, and in there is the midside join code, the Discord join code. You can watch trailers, give us your opinions, or you can uh, you know, give us some farce to talk about. So as we're coming up here on Halloween, William, I would like to review a couple horror comedy movies that I watched this weekend. So maybe you can find some stuff to watch. The first one I want to review is We Have a Ghost. This is on Netflix. It stars Anthony Mackie 
And it is directed and written by Christopher Landon, who famously did Freaky, the one where uh, a teenage girl is body swapped into the body of a serial killer played by Vince Vaughn. And also Happy Death Day, uh, one of my favorite movies. The Groundhog's Day mashup with uh, a serial killer movie. So the girl keeps living the same day uh, of a serial killer on her college campus. So he's a great horror comedy director. So I wanted to see what he did here with sort of like a supernatural horror comedy. The premise is Anthony Mackie moves his family into a cheap house in Chicago that nobody had bought because they believe it's haunted. And then his young son, who's sort of a bit of the pariah in the family, he's a bit estranged from the rest of the family. I say young, he's in high school. Uh, befriends the ghost and then there are all these sort of plot lines that extend from there as the rest of the family discovers the ghost and the government discovers the ghost so here is my one sentence review on letterbox we have a ball we have a ghost gets bogged down by the necessary machinations of its government plot line but is an overall testament to christopher landon's ability to integrate premise and theme so If you remember way back when, I do because it's one of my favorite movies, I said the best part of Happy Death Day is not the concept, but that the concept has a theme integrated with it. And it's the idea of, just like in Groundhog Day, he has to learn to appreciate his life, she has to learn to appreciate her life and family, and she becomes a better person by going through this experience by learning the lesson of, hey, my life is valuable and my family is valuable, and I need to love them more. Well, it's actually a similar theme here, but this is not just simply they have a ghost and what happens. It's the ghost needs to move on. They need to figure out why the ghost needs to move on, and that journey parallels the the son's journey with his family. And in the end, it all wraps up with a very poignant scene and a very poignant resolution and and william falling action what? there's falling action in this movie after the climax wait let me guess to be continued the... no there's no to be continued this is a one-off movie uh i suppose they could turn it into a ghostbuster style franchise going forward if they wanted to because one ghost sticking around because there was unfinished business in a mystery necessary leads to oh well why was he special there has to be other ghosts so they could franchise it if they want to i don't think they will but no the climax is getting away from the government and dealing with and i'm trying to be vague here because i don't want to spoil it dealing with the the reality of nope no i'm not spoiling it dealing with the reality of how the ghost actually died and learning that truth and dealing with the effects of learning that truth See how I got around the spoiler there, William? <laughs> um, and then they have falling action after that, and it's beautifully thematically integrated with the the conceit, the concept of the movie. Uh, the only problem I have is, like I said, there's a part in the movie where the ghost is captured by the government, and it just becomes slow, bo- slow and boring because the interesting thing is the relationship between the ghost and the boy and the boy's friend who's the neighbor who... You know, he has a romantic interest in and the way it affects the family, like the government part is the least interesting part. It's sort of like they almost had to do it because if there's a ghost that exists, the government's going to stick his nose in it. 
So I understand why it was done. But so ultimately, I give We Have a Ghost uh, a solid bro rating, three and a half out of five stars. Okay, next movie, Totally Killer. Do you remember this trailer, William? No, remind me, which one was this one? So this is the one starring Kieran Shipka, Kieran Shipka from Mad Men, where she travels back in time to the 80s to try and stop the serial killer, uh, the, the Sweet 16 serial killer who kills three girls and stabs them 16 times on Halloween. Okay. Amazon Prime, yeah. you don't remember yeah. it? Yeah, I think I remember this. Okay, well, this is my one-sentence review. I wouldn't have thought it possible for a movie to live up to a comparison as heavy as Scream Meets Back to the Future until I saw Totally Killer. So this movie definitely is inspired by those two. And when you watch it, it's impossible not to see that. But it's just like how Happy Death Day was like a mix between Groundhog Day and I don't know any slasher movie like Friday the 13th. This movie does that. It's very intentionally screamed. It's very self-aware. You know, I will say, and this is a reason I gave it four out of five stars, gave it a bromantic rating and not a so bromantic rating. It does have sort of social justice asides, woke asides, where it's the 80s and, you know, she walks into the school and sees a sign and says, well, there's the racism. And they make things seem over the top. And yeah. You know, yeah, the, 80s, uh, the hot hotbed of racism. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, they made it seem like everyone was doing cocaine and they made it seem like bullying was, you know, <laughs> holding people down it's and falling on them. 80s cliched, like huh? Right. Well, and that's what happens. But there are elements of reality here. But at the same time, it's not supposed to be. It's just like when Back to the Future went back to the 50s. It wasn't really the 50s. You know what I mean? It was an exaggerated version yeah, of the 50s. Exaggerated romanticize right romanticize and it's done here it's done here there's even a lost reference where when she enrolls in the school in the 80s she has to give them a a fake name and her name is uh jamie so she tells them her name is jamie lafleur and when sawyer traveled back in time and lost he said his name was james lafleur that has to be an intentional reference especially since she says she's from prince edward island in canada i can't take that as anything but a lost reference so I don't want to spoil too much of this and spend too much time on reviews here when we're reviewing two movies, but I think this is one of my top 10 movies of the year. It was very enjoyable. If you have Amazon Prime and you liked Happy Death Day, do I think it's as good as Happy Death Day? No, I that's one of my favorite movies. But this is a, a pretty good movie and one of the best movies I've seen this year. All the acting's pretty good. Uh, the, the sci-fi technobabble is pretty good. And... The reveals of the killers and their motivation is good. There's thematic integration here. There's a lot going on. This is a worthwhile movie. So again, Totally Killer gets a bromantic rating, four out of five stars. Okay, those are movies that have come out. Let's talk about movies that are going to come out soon. And one show. I put a trailer in here. I didn't realize it was a show until I watched the trailer. Uh, I put the trailers in Discord usually on the Saturday before we record, so you can watch them when you want. Maybe you watch them, then you listen to the episode. Maybe you listen to the episode, then you watch them. Or maybe you watch the trailer, we talk about it. Watch the trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Monarch Legacy of Monsters 
is an Apple TV series that apparently we've given up on making movies about the Kaiju Godzilla franchise, and now it's a series where there's this girl in San Francisco whose dad was considered crazy for thinking there's a conspiracy around Kaiju. Although I, I think, William, when you're living in a world where there are giant monsters fighting each other all the time, you give up calling people crazy about conspiracies? I don't know. Maybe that'd be me. But anyway, she's trying to solve this conspiracy about the group Monarch. And then Kurt Russell comes in and tells her to keep fighting the conspiracy. And then, of course, at the end of the trailer, Godzilla comes in to help them fight the other monsters. Because as they love to do with this franchise, as we saw with Godzilla versus Kong, they love to make it seem like humans are insignificant in the universe and nature is just going to kill us. And they do that here where this isn't our world. It belongs to, to the kaiju, to the monsters. So, look, as with any... As always with Apple TV, see what I did there? Catchphrase, as always. The production value looks tremendous. I can't knock this from a technical standpoint. It's just, A, I don't care, and B, I'm sick of these plot lines of, oh, the monsters rule the world and we don't. Okay, well then just get rid of all the humans and just show monsters fighting. I would be more willing to watch that at this point. Just show me giant monsters fighting. And you know what? If you need to humanize them a little bit, personify them a little bit, and give them motivations, fine. Don't make me care about these humans when you're telling me they're insignificant. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah. Uh, The production value, again, like you said, looks fantastic. Um, But, Justin, I was getting kind of like pretentious Jurassic Park vibes from this. Yeah, it's the same. Jurassic Park has the same theme. Yeah, I that's what I felt like and I was I you know, as much as I liked the latest season of Foundation on Apple TV Plus, I don't think this is uh I don't think I'm going to like this. I might I might uh watch an episode just to see, but uh yeah, I don't think this is I I just don't think it's going to go places that I want to go. So tackle. Second trailer. Pain Hustlers stars Emily Blunt, Chris Evans and Andy Garcia as Three people take I don't I don't even know what they're doing exactly. There's some sort of scam here where they're selling pain medication, but they're making much more than people are paying for it. I think they're taking advantage of the insurance companies. That's the only thing I can assume. All I know is like I didn't find this interesting at all. This is all this seems like a naturalistic idea not shot in a naturalistic way. The idea of, oh, I'm such a terrible person in such a hard place that I need to do this to survive and I'm supposed to be morally identifiable because other people understand how gray life is and, you know, you have to make these tough choices sometimes because otherwise you won't be happy and won't have survival. It's just, this does nothing for me. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, I feel like there are other movies that have done this before. Um, I, and Justin, just like the last one, we could tell it was Apple. Couldn't you tell this was Netflix just from like, yes, watching the production value? What is that saying yes. about the studios right now? I don't know, but uh, yeah, no thanks. Tackle, tackle, third trailer. Leo is a Netflix animated movie starring Adam Sandler. He plays the classroom lizard who is 74 years old and trying to escape to his freedom. The kids 
start taking him home. One that takes him home every night or so, or, you know, they, we never had this in school, but this story happens often in shows where, or in movies where different kids take the pet home on different days, the classroom pet home on different days. seems very strange to me. I never thought that made sense as a plot, but maybe this really happened. I don't know. But anyway, the first half of this trailer is, oh, hey, I'm going to try and escape. And uh, that didn't interest me at all. Because I was like, he's going to escape, and then he's going to learn that he doesn't really want to escape, and he's going to go back to captivity on purpose because he enjoys being around the kids. And I thought that was going to be the entire movie. But then, they do that in the mo- in the trailer. In the trailer, he gets out, and he talks, and one of the kids hear him, hears him, and he starts talking to the kid. So, this is sort of taking Toy Story... And going into the one direction Toy Story hasn't gone yet before Toy Story goes there. And that's one of the kids, uh, one of the kids learns that the toys can talk and they develop a relationship. And it turns out he develops a relationship with all the kids and he starts sort of becoming a teacher for them. And that I am totally in for. Adam Sandler voicing a 74 year old lizard in animated form who teaches a bunch of kids how to be happy and live a better life? That sounds like a hilarious premise for a movie. Netflix and Hug. Netflix and Hug. <clears throat> yeah, I think this... Uh, shocking, shocking that I am excited to see a comedy. Uh, this one looks really good, Justin. Um, maybe the maybe the preview is going... It made it look better than it is. But, uh, yeah, this is... First of all, it's going to be better than anything uh, Sandler's made lately, right? So at the very least, it's going to pass that bar. But this looks like something Pixar should have made already, but is probably incapable of making now. So, yeah. Well, like I told you, this is what the this should have been the premise for Toy Story 5. Yeah, that's going to you know, there will be Toy Story 5. This is Toy Story 5 before Toy Story 5. Yeah, I agree. This looks fun. Netflix and hug. Final trailer. The Iron Claw is the Von Erich professional wrestling family biopicture starring Zac Efron. Except it's done by A24. Wah, wah. So, well, and that's a, where's the, there's a soundboard here on. <laughs> I don't um, think that will make the recording, but yeah, where, where is it at? Let me see. Let me try it. It'll be on the on combined the... audio. It'll be on the combined audio. <laughs> Will it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's how I feel about this, right? Because there's a lot I like about this trailer, right? Like, I like the professional wrestling. I like the idea that the father pushes the family hard and, like, they have to, like, figure out how to be happy. But then A24 turns it into, oh, our life is suffering and our family is cursed and this is the story of a cursed family. Like, no, stop it. Stop it. What is the real story here? If there's a tragedy here, what is it about their choices in life? That led to these tragedies. No, they're just cursed, Justin. They're They're just cursed. That's the least interesting way of doing this. And there's a lot I like here about the production, about the acting, about the commitment to the roles, about the the cast. Right? There's a lot I like here. But you know this is going to be trash because of A24 and because the hint of it being a cursed family. Tackle. Tackle. Uh, They immediately turned me off with that oh we're just cursed this is just gonna be uh a attempt at emotional like uh catharsis but all done naturalistically there's gonna be no 
there's going to be nothing there. It, this is this is turning a sports movie into some sort of Greek tragedy. This is this is going to be awful, Justin. Which you could you could do a sports movie as a Greek tragedy, but not based on a curse. Yeah, that's Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> so I think I'll pass on this one. Huckle. All right, William. That brings us to the end of our trip. What did we learn? I learned that I need to, in order to properly dox, I need to hire a truck. Justin, what did you learn this week? Uh, I learned that A24 is as awful as it gets because when I look at the <laughs> Iron Claw trailer, right, and you what you just said about like a Greek tragedy about a professional wrestler, that makes me actually appreciate the wrestler by Darren Aronofsky more. And if something A24 does is more naturalistic than a Darren Aronofsky film, wow. what does that say about A24? <laughs> Another Oscar heading their way. That's what it says. Probably. And uh, Zach Efron Oh, no, they're too white. They're too white. They're too white. Oh, yeah. Zach Efron is not going to be able to. Zach Efron's going to be like, why'd I take all these steroids if I can't get an Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that's natural, right? No. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. If it wasn't for you, it would just be me talking in the corner of my closet like a crazy person. I mean, it still is that, but you make me feel a little bit less crazy. You make me feel even better when you support us by going to the midside.com slash the store, picking up some merch, some cursed, cursed merch. Uh, you can go to midside.com slash the cut and buy my book, which is not about a cursed family. It's about a artist who tries very hard to have integrity with his art. You can also support us through Patreon or Locals. That's how we keep the lights on, the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash Locals. And most of all, as always, tell a female friend. And if they don't want to tell people, tell them they need to work harder at telling people because there are men who are going to tell people. And if they don't work harder, the men are going to tell people better than they tell people. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Be a better woman. So, Justin, yesterday I was driving around uh, Petaluma, one of the little cities here, and it was Petaluma Pride, and their logo is a is a cock with a rainbow tail feathers, and I thought that was very appropriate.